0: to know that we've got choir members for the distant future ready to go and ready to lead us if you have your bible this morning i want to invite you to turn with me to james chapter four the new testament book of james it's a hard book to find right near the end of your bible james chapter four Uh, this weekend i was able to go and see my family back in ohio it was a great trip i left on thursday and uh, arrived in the uh, airport in Columbus, Ohio. My family's going to be here in about five weeks, I believe, so I can't wait to have them here. But I landed in Columbus, Ohio. My wife picked me up, and uh, when I went to the arrivals area uh, to get in the car and to meet my wife, it was so good to see her. Now, listen, we've not been separated for very long, two or three weeks, I suppose, and I know some of you have been you know, separated from loved ones much, much longer and sometimes in much, much more difficult circumstances as people have gone off to war, gone off on uh, sometimes very dangerous mission trips. And some of you have lost family members uh, to death and you have uh, been alone for a very long time. And so, so I'm not trying to compare my plight with yours, but it still was great to see my wife Now, there wasn't something I needed to tell her, there wasn't uh, something that she needed to tell me, it wasn't that I didn't remember what she looked like, it's uh, it's just that it was special to be near her, you know, just to get in the car with her and just be able to drive back to our home there in Ohio together with her, it was special to be near her. Well, then then we got back home, not really home, but... To my Ohio house and my uh, my kids weren't there. They were off doing something. I wasn't happy about that, but I had to wait for them to come in and it took a lot longer than I thought it should. But finally I heard the garage door open. And so I went to uh, greet them as they came in from the garage and I held each one of them as tightly as I could. It was so good to see my kids. Again, uh, I, I talk to my kids almost every day and we video chat. There, there wasn't some piece of information that needed to be transferred. It's just that it was good to be near my kids. You know what I mean? On Friday, uh, everybody sort of scattered and went their own direction. Nobody really cared to hang around with dad, it seems. So I, uh, I called a pastor friend of mine, uh, Tim Carr, and he and I uh, have been very good friends for a long time. I suppose we have had lunch together, uh, not every week, but uh, every other week, maybe more often than that, a little more often than that for the last decade. And he has been the person that I've leaned on for counsel and for wisdom and for strength. And I think he's leaned on me for the same things. And I haven't seen him in six or seven weeks. I haven't seen him since I came here. Uh, to uh, to move to Texas and so I called him and asked him to meet me for lunch and, and again we stay in touch There wasn't some piece of information that we needed to share He still just looks as funny as he did when <laughs> you know when I saw him six or eight weeks ago But but I got to the restaurant first and when he walked in I got up and he walked across and we hugged each other uh, You know man to man. It was just so good to be near my close friend Tim Carr You know God has made us to be relational people. That's how we've been created, with with a need to connect, to be near other people. And, And in fact, we're made in the image of God. And did you know that God has always been in relationship uh, God is uh, a triune God and so even from the very beginning there was God the Father God the Son God the Holy Spirit There was this relationship and God has created that within us and we, we, we are just wired up to need to have close Relationships and we benefit from being near people we we benefit for one because people add wisdom to our lives You know, I think the worst decisions I've made in my life were all made alone But the best decisions I've ever made have all been made with other people. And so God has designed us to have a need to be near others so that they can pour God's wisdom into our lives. God has designed us to need other people so that they can bring comfort to us. Don't you have some people around you that have comforted you through the years where you've gone through difficulty, you've had hardships, but they have poured encouragement in your life. They have comforted you. And then there are times when others around us have strengthened us. There, there have been times in my life when I've really struggled and gone through something hard, but God put somebody in my life that was close to me, that brought strength. God's strength through that other person into my life. And then God puts people in our lives, I, I think, to add to our joy. When you look back on your life, when you're older and you look back on your life, the moments of the greatest joy will always be moments you spent with other people. Your your greatest moments of joy will never be experiences that you had alone. They'll always be with other people. God has created us to live in warm and near relationships. And so the greatest relationship that we can have and the greatest need that we have for relationship is a relationship with, with the father. Ultimately, he is the one that we should be near. He is the one from whom we ought to receive wisdom and strength and comfort and encouragement and joy. In fact, the Bible says in Proverbs 18, that there's a friend who stays closer than a brother and that alludes to that relationship that we can have with God we can be near God and that's an incredible thing and it's a it's a valuable thing for us and so if you're looking with me in James chapter 4 I want to show you one verse and I think this is one of the top ten verses for living the Christian life it's one of the most important verses for day-to-day being a Christian in the world that we live in but I want to show you this verse that talks about how we can be nearer God how we can walk closely with God And how if you are walking closely with God, you can walk more closely with God. It's a simple verse. We're really going to focus mostly on the first 10 words of the verse, although we'll talk about the whole thing, but let's look at it together. He says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Now, let me read that again because I want it to stick in your mind. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. What he says is that we need to be near God. And he tells us here how we can be near God. Well, what does he mean near God? That's a hard thing to define perhaps. Does he mean that we need to be within seven feet of God or 14 miles of God? Now this is not a kind of nearness that you can measure with a ruler or on an odometer. What he's talking about is having a relationship where God's wisdom is imprinted on your life. It's a relationship where you're so close to God that you feel his comfort, that when you go through tough times that you feel his encouragement, that you experience some of his joy. It means to have a close personal relationship. With God. And the Bible talks about this over and over and over. Let me just let me just point out a few verses. Hebrews 10:22 says, Let us draw near with a true heart. And so he talks about this nearness with God that we can have. Hebrews 4:16, he says, Let us approach the throne of grace. He's talking about let us get closer to God. And then in Isaiah 29, 13, he says, these people approach me with their speeches to honor me with lip service, yet their hearts are far from me. He's talking about being very distant from God. And so one of the most wonderful things is that we can have this close relationship with God and we can benefit from God's wisdom. We We can benefit from walking with the one who knows everything. We can benefit from God's strength. We can benefit from God's protection. You, you, know, you know, sometimes it's just it's a fearful thing to be alone. We had an intruder in the church this week, and it wasn't a big deal. I know everybody's looking up an intruder in the church. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't as big a deal as it sounds. Uh, but when I was looking for the intruder, I'll tell you, it crossed my mind I wish I wasn't alone. In fact, I, I thought about who I would like to, uh, to be accompanying me, and uh, no, no offense, Andre, but I was, I was wishing for David. <laughs> I thought, you know, when I turn the corner, you know what I'd love to be able to say is just to say, uh, I want to introduce you to David, and if you need me, I'll be in my office. <laughs> But, you know, it's talking about having a relationship with God. We're we're so close that we don't experience fear because God is with us, That, that we experience joy just because we're so close to God and his joy that it just overflows into our lives. How would you like to be closer to God, nearer to God than you've ever been before? Well, I, I think James 4, 8 tells us how to do that. And so I, I want us to look back at the first 10 words of this verse and, and I want to pull out some principles. I think if you really study this verse, I, I came up with almost a dozen different things that we could learn from these 10 words. And I won't share all of those with you because you want to go home and eat lunch at, at some point. But, 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 let me share three, I think very important principles that we can learn from these, from these 10 words Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Number one, you are as close to God as you want to be. You are as close to God as you want to be. I hear people say the opposite of this all the time. I hear people say, I sure wish I were closer to God. I sure wish I had a closer walk with the Lord. And when I hear somebody say that, I just, I want to grab them and say, no. You're not telling the truth. You're not telling the truth to me and you're not telling the truth to yourself. No one wishes he were closer to God than he is because you are exactly as close to God as you want to be. See, the Bible says that if I will draw near to him, he will draw near to me. And so if you really desire to be closer to God, what would you do? You'd draw near to him and what would he do? He would draw near to you. And so everybody in here, every person, without exception, you are exactly as close to God as you want to be. Don't ever say, I wish I were closer to God. No, you don't wish that. Because if you wished it, you would be closer because God is so eager to come to you. If you had a desire to be closer to him, you would be closer to him. Now you could say, I wish I were closer to my spouse. I mean, that would be a legitimate thing to say because maybe you have a desire to be close to your spouse, but your spouse does not have a desire to be close back to you. I mean, there could be a problem there, right? So it may be true of you that you wish you were closer to your spouse. Maybe it would be true of you that you wish you were closer to your children. Because maybe you desire to be close to them, but they don't desire to be close back to you And so there's some some part of the relationship that is strained And and so it may be true of you that you wish you were closer to your children You might wish you were closer to some friends. I mean, maybe you desire to be with them But they don't desire to be with you that could be a true statement, but it is not a true statement That you wish you could be closer to God because God will be as close as you desire For him to be when we say we we want to be closer to God than we are I want to be closer to God but but I'm not we're, we're saying that one of two things is true we're either saying that God has favorites and I'm not one of them or we're saying number two that there's some immovable obstacle between me and God that's keeping us from being close and I've got good news on both of those fronts first of all you are God's favorite okay for, for God you are his favorite he loves everybody he loves you as much as he could love you there is no way that you could be loved more you wouldn't be loved more had you lived differently to this point you will not be loved more depending upon how you live from this point God loves you to the maximum I uh, I knew a a man when I was a youth pastor at a church, uh, he, was, uh, he was a grandfather, he had several grandchildren, and uh, one of his uh, grandchildren, she was in my youth group. And, and so we were just, a bunch of us were together one day, and, and she was not there, but I was with, uh, uh, with him and some others. And so somebody asked him, said, you know, it just seems like as many grandchildren as you have, that that one granddaughter, teenage girl, uh, her name was Lisa, it seems like Lisa is your favorite. And he and Lisa would do things together. They would go to ball games together, and she'd come visit him, and they'd talk on the phone. Even as a teenager, she had a close relationship with her grandfather. And so, so somebody said, It seems like Lisa is your favorite. And he thought about that a minute, and he said, No. He said, You know, I, I don't have any favorites with my grandchildren. I, I love them all the same. He says, It seems like she's my favorite because I'm her favorite. See, it seems like I love her more because she loves me back. But no, I love all of my kids the same. And the truth is, if it seems like some people are God's favorites, it's not because God loves them more. It's because they love him back more. Does that make sense? So you are God's favorite. And and then the other part of that is, is Jesus has removed every obstacle uh, to a close relationship with him. There's not anything. I mean, even what Satan may be pointing out in your life right now, even if, even if Satan's whispering in your ear, well, you know what happened a year ago and you know what happened three years ago. And you know that thing you did and, and you know that thing that you're thinking about. And, and even though Satan will point that out in your life, listen, Jesus has removed every obstacle that there could be to you having a close relationship with God. Bible says in Romans 8, 38 and 39, I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor debt nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Nothing, there is nothing because of the work of Christ, nothing stands between you and God. So we need to quit waiting and wishing for something. I think oftentimes our churches are filled with people who are wishing that they had a closer relationship with God and they have fooled themselves into believing that they are, are waiting for something to happen, your relationship with God is exactly as close as you want it to be. Now, there's a second principle I see here in these uh, 10 words, draw near to God and he will draw near to you, and it's this, closeness is not automatic. Now, why don't you have a closer relationship with God? Well, he desires to be closer to you because the, the, the passage says, draw near to him and he will draw near to you. He's ready to go. The reason it's not closer is, is not because he doesn't desire it. It's because you haven't taken the steps. See, the ball's in your court. The ball's in my court. This is a, an if-then proposition. You know what I mean? He, he says, if, if you do this, then I will do that. If you'll draw closer to me, then count on it. I will draw closer to you. The onus is on us to do something. It, we, we don't need to be waiting on God. We, we need to understand that this is not an automatic process. We've got to do something in order for God for God to respond. You, you know I, I think oftentimes we, we live how to say this. We, we live like we're the exception to the rule. And I, I do this. I know I struggle with this often. We, we hear things and we will agree with them, but immediately our minds uh, go to thinking about how we might be the exception to the rule. So, so things like this, uh, if you save a little money every day or every week, if you put back a little money in a retirement account, then, then if you do that, then when you get retirement age, there will be a, you know, a nest egg on which you can retire. Uh, now th- so is that true it was it's true none of us in here would disagree with that uh, but but what we think sometimes when we hear somebody say that in our minds we think of a story and we think yeah you know I agree with that but you know I know a guy <laughs> and he didn't put anything back but when he turned 65 he won the you know the sweepstakes when when he turned 65 he found an oil well under his mailbox and and he was just finding it. and so we, we hear the principle and we agree with it, but then we, we immediately think about the exception. Somebody will say, well, if, if you're a student and you'll study hard every day, I mean, if you'll just every single day, whether you're in high school or college, you just work on your studies, you work on every subject a little bit every day, then you're going to make great grades. And, and when, when finals week comes around, it's finals week right now for the college kids, if you didn't know, uh, pray for them. Uh, but when finals week comes around, it won't be a stressful week for you. If you just do a little work and, and, and we think, well, of course that's true. But you know, I know a guy <laughs> and he didn't study and he did fine. Or, or we'll say, uh, if, if you'll eat healthy every day and exercise five days a week, if you'll do that and you'll be careful to do that, then uh, you'll live a long life and um, And and, and you'll you'll be strong and we think well, of course that's true, but you know, I know a guy That ate buffalo wings and bacon every day and he lived to hundred and twenty we're always thinking of, of the exception Now we hear this principle if you will draw near to God Then he will draw near to you And so if you'll do the work Of drawing near to God if you will if you will press on and draw near to God then he'll draw near to you and then nobody here is gonna disagree with that right but then we think but but I am the exception See, see, I'm not gonna do the work to draw near to God. I, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna to strive to be closer to God I'm not gonna press on as the Apostle Paul says but when a crisis comes in my life and when I have a need You know, I then God's gonna be there for me. I'm gonna feel close to God then I'm gonna be the exception But no, you're not gonna be the exception. We've got to understand that this is not something that happens automatically We've got to do something in order to experience what God promises that we will experience Let me give you some um, Well, let's do some work together. I I want to give you three or four verses here. And I want you to figure out what was the catalyst to a closer relationship with God. So I'm I'm going to give you some verses. and, And they're going to talk about some people who had or at least had the promise of a closer relationship with God. And you see if you can figure out what caused this. What is the catalyst for this? Listen to the verses. The first one, Malachi 3, 7. Since the days of your fathers, you have turned from my statutes and you have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you. Okay, so here's a promise of a close relationship with God. But what is the catalyst? What's the, what starts this? You returning. He says, you return to me and I will return to you. You understand? All right, so you got to do better on the next one. Second Chronicles 15, 2 Chronicles 15.2 says, Asa and all Judah and Benjamin, uh, hear me, the Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you abandon him, he will abandon you. And so here he promises the closeness of the Lord, but he promises that when they will do what? When they will seek him. It starts with them seeking him. And then Revelation three twenty see Jesus says I stand at the door and knock if anyone will hear my voice and open the door I will come in and eat with him and he with me so it says Jesus is knocking on the door so it it, it starts with Jesus in that sense but but the but the closeness depends upon what It depends upon you. Jesus isn't going to just open the door and barge in. Jesus isn't going to let himself in. This is not automatic. Just because you came to church, just because you're a church member, just because you you, you own a Bible, this isn't automatic. No, Jesus knocks, but then we've got to do something. And so it's time, I think, for us to hear the knock and to open the door. Now, the third thing I, I think we see in this, uh, in these 10 words, draw near to God and he will draw near to you, is that you can be closer to God. If you think about who the audience, uh, the original audience of this verse, James, the half brother of Jesus wrote this uh, letter. Uh, to whom? Do you know who this letter was written to? Uh, it, it's sort of odd because uh, you know, so, some books, uh, the name of the book will tell you who it's written to. Romans was written to the Roman Christians and first Corinthians was written to the Christians in Corinth. Uh, But James, he's the author, the human author, but he writes this to all of the scattered Jewish believers. And so the Jewish believers, when there was such persecution in Jerusalem, many of them scattered. And so they really were disconnected from Pastoral leadership from the preaching of the word and so he writes this letter to be circulated just to teach them or to remind them of the basics of the faith And so this is a letter written to Christians Now here's why this is important. It's not a letter just written to backslidden people You know what that word means, backslidden? That's not a biblical word. It may not even be a biblical concept, but it's something we talk about a lot. Somebody who who, who used to be more in love with Jesus than they are now, so a backslidden person. This draw near to God and he will draw near to you. This wasn't just a message to backsliders. This wasn't a message to people just caught up in the tangle of sin. This isn't a message to people whose life was falling apart. Now, it is to all of those people too, but this was a message... To to Christians when we hear The word taught or when we read the word What we have a tendency to do And be honest a minute because I know you do this I do this when you hear a message immediately our minds will often go to a Person who ought to hear what we're hearing. Do you ever think that? Oh? My wife should have been here today <laughs> She should have heard that today. My the guy I work with. Oh, I wish he could have heard that and, and and okay maybe maybe your wife should have heard it, but but you're the one hearing it and God's got a message for you this draw near to God and he will draw near to you Listen, please everybody in here. Listen. This is not a message to anybody, but you This is a message to you. This isn't a message to people who quit church three years ago. This isn't a message to people who have just given up on God. It may be a message to those people, but it's a message to every single person here. And it says, you can be closer to God. You can be nearer to God than you've than you are right now and, and, and you, it's two ways to look at that. Maybe that's a stern admonition to you You know, you can be closer to God or, or, or maybe it's just a, a celebration. Hey, guess what? I can even be closer to God than I am now, but either way what great news every one of us Every one of us can be closer to God nobody in here the the person here walking closest God. I don't know who that is, but the person here walking closest to God, I would say to you, you can be much closer to God than you are. What an encouraging verse. I think about Hebrews four sixteen. this is a verse I was going to preach on a few weeks ago, and we sort of changed up our plan at the last minute. It's one of my favorite verses though, it says, therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness. That we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need and so you're not looking at the verse but let me just break it down he begins by saying therefore and therefore refers back to the fact that Christ has done so much for us the reason I can be closer to God is because Jesus has died for my sins because Jesus has has paved the path to be closer to God therefore let us approach the throne of grace now any anytime the Bible talks about approaching God it's not talking about get in your car and turn on your GPS and, and, and drive whatever direction God is. It's, it's talking about having a, a nearer walk with God, a closer walk with God. And so he says, we can come closer. And then he says, we can do it with boldness. That means that nothing should hold us back. We should run to God. Don't be satisfied. None of us should be satisfied with our walk with the Lord. Now, let, let me let me try to make this practical, because I don't want to just teach you principles and you know a few principles. I, I want our lives to change. So how, how can we be closer to God? Well, I struggle with this. I'll just be honest. I struggle with how to, how to say this. Uh, verses, verse 8, James 4, 8, gives a pretty simple preacher's outline for how to be closer to God. He says at the end of the verse, cleanse your hands, you sinners. And so that talks about repenting of your sins. And so I could say, how do you be closer to God? Number one, you repent of your sins. And then he says, purify your heart, you double-minded. That talks about realigning your heart and your passions for the Lord. So I could say, repent of your sins, realign your hearts. And then I could point out the fact that when he says, draw near to God, he's using language that ordinarily in the Bible refers to prayer. So I could say, you ought to pray. So how can you get closer to God Well, you can confess your sins and repent, you can realign your inner life uh, to, to the passions of God, and you could pray. And, and that would be a correct answer. That wouldn't be a bad sermon to preach, and, 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 and that would be exactly what the Bible says. But listen, I, I, just, I think that's just part of the story. And I think if we ended with that, here's what would happen. We could get a lot of people, a lot of you, I mean, you're, you're interested in being closer to God. A lot of people this morning would make a commitment. I'm going to confess my sins. I'm going to realign my heart. I'm going to pray more. And for the next 48 hours, we'd be the most confessing, the most realigning, the most praying Christians in Nacogdoches. But then after that, I, I, it would just fizzle out. No, nobody would remember this time next week what we'd even talked about. Uh, those things are important to do. But listen, I don't think that's really the gist of this uh, verse of this passage. I think what he's saying is if you want to be closer to God, don't just go do, do, do. Uh, In fact, Jesus has already done most everything that needs to be done, right? It's not about here. Here's a list of things you need to do. These are things that will be the result of coming closer to God. I I don't know that they're they're all together the steps you take to be closer to God. They could be that, but they're more than that. They're the results of you coming closer to God. So, so what is he saying here? What, what, is, he, what is he teaching us to, to do? I think he's talking about an attitude that we need to have. I think he's talking about a hunger that, that you need to have. This, this isn't just go and, 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 and read an extra chapter every day and, and pray five more minutes every day. This, this is about, we need to have this hunger we need to have this desire that I, I must be closer to God. I must have a, a, a closer relationship with, uh, with, with the Lord. Let me read to you a couple of verses. Maybe this will maybe help, us, help us to understand. Uh, Psalm 63:1 says, God, you are my God. I eagerly seek you. I thirst for you. My body faints for you in a land that is dry and desolate and without water. And so here the psalmist says, it's like I'm in a desert and I hadn't had anything to drink in a long, long time and I am so desperate I would do anything to be satisfied. That you and I need to have that kind of attitude, that we need to have that kind of drive. This isn't just write down a couple of to-do list things. This is to change our heart and say, God, I will never be satisfied with how close I am with you. I always want to be closer. I always want us to have a a, a relationship where, where I experience more of your wisdom and more of your joy and more of your strength. This is an attitude that no matter what, I will never give up striving to be closer to you. Let me read another passage. Uh, Psalm 42, 1 and 2 says, as a deer longs for flowing streams, so I long for you, God. And then he goes on to say, I thirst for God, the living God. When can I come and appear before God? See, what, what I want to ask you to do this morning is, is, is not so much make a make some big one-time commitment of reading your Bible more, praying more, as important as those things are, I want you to decide that you're going to make it your life's aim to be thirsty always for God. Maybe there's a better way to explain it. I was going to end the message, everybody look here, I was going to end the message with, um, with an allusion to the prodigal son. You know the story of the prodigal son? And so it's a parable that Jesus told. Great parables, incredible truth. And uh, there are two sons uh, of a father, and the younger son rebels against his father, takes his inheritance early, and leaves town. Uh, his father's heart is broken. The son is standing for all the wrong things. That is not how he was raised. Well, he goes off, and quickly the money runs out, and his life goes down the tubes. And he comes to the very end of his rope. And the son thinks, well, maybe I should go back to my father. But he's scared to go back to his father because what's my father going to do? My father's going to be angry. But he goes back, and what he discovers, you, you know the story. He, he didn't even get all the way back. What he discovers is that his father has been waiting for him and looking for him. And his father runs and meets him, and his father's not angry. His father is thankful that he's returned. And I was going to tell you that story and say, okay, draw near to God. Everybody needs to come back, make some big decision and come back. And, and, and certainly, I'm sure there are people here who need to do that, But, but... But I don't think that's what this passage is teaching. I think it's it's talking about we need to have this attitude. This isn't a one-time thing that you do. This isn't even something you do once a year. This needs to be an attitude that every morning we wake up and say, Today, I so thirst for God that that will be the most important thing in my life. Let me just give you two words I think that describe this attitude. Um, Desperation and steadfastness. We need to be desperate to be closer to God. Uh, if, if you feel like, mm, I'm not as close to God as I ought to be, that's probably not a sign of a problem in your life. That's probably a sign of something really good in your life. I want to wake up every day desperate to be closer to God. Okay, there, there ought to be some desperation. Draw near to God. Continue to draw near to God. Be always drawing near to God. And then steadfastness. This isn't a season. This isn't a, uh, a commitment. Uh, this, is, uh, this is who I am. I will always be desperate. So I um, used to do a lot of marriage counseling. Uh, I, I don't recommend me. So, uh, But uh, uh, you know what, what's interesting? The kind of marriage counseling I enjoy doing uh, is pre-marriage counseling. You know, let, let, let me let me talk to you before you get married and that's a whole lot easier and more fun than trying to trying to pick up the pieces afterwards, but uh, you, you know a lot, a lot of a lot of people here's how they approach marriage. They when they get married, you know, everything is perfect or close to perfect. You know, you love her and she loves you and you're making all the right commitments. I mean, you get to the end of pre marriage counseling and, you, and, and I never think, wow, what a selfish guy, what a selfish woman. No, no, no. So, so, in marriage, usually, usually, it starts out right. The problem is people think of marriage as a one time commitment. All right, I'm going to do this thing right on my on the day I get married, but then they, then they just let it, let it languish for years until it collapses one day. But you know, the people that have a healthy marriage, they didn't necessarily start off any better than anybody else. The people who, who have a thriving marriage, it wasn't because they had a better, better start no, it's because they are still striving to have a good marriage. It's something they're, they're, they're hungry for all the time. They never feel like their marriage is all that it could be. Well, in our relationship with God, it's, we need to have that same hunger and desire. I, I want it always to be more than it is. And so today, some need to come to God for the first time, I'm sure. In a crowd this size, some of you, you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, and you need to come do that. That's where it begins. There's no other starting place. Some people this morning need to come back from a distant place. You are the prodigal son and you've walked away and something's brought you back here today. Or maybe you've been here for a lot of weeks in a row, but you know, in your heart, you hadn't been here and you need to come back like the prodigal son returning to the father. And I tell you, he's waiting for you and he's happy to have you back. But you know, a lot of us, this isn't a first time and this isn't a a return from a distance that we need, but what we need to do is to foster this James four, eight attitude That I will draw near to God like a thirsty man in the desert, like a man who is never satisfied. I will draw near to God every day out of of an attitude of desperation. And then I know that God will satisfy me. Just with your head bowed, eyes closed, I want us to pray together for the attitude that we have, confessing the complacency that, that keeps us so far from God, Father, forgive me when I've just been a casual Christian. Forgive me when I have um, just been on autopilot, thinking I would be the exception. Forgive me when I have shrugged my shoulders and excused my walk with you by saying, I sure wish I were closer to God. And help me to foster this attitude this desperation for you and let it change every day of my life. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand together. If you need to respond to this morning, I invite you to come. We'll see you in the front.